Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, um, he's real good play. Uh, Kelly Davis supposed to be down there. I felt confident, and uh, you know the ball slipped. Um, you know it's definitely a, a tough play, but you know I, I thought uh, I felt confident. You know going to the right baseline and, and doing a pull up. Uh, I've done that shot a million times, and unfortunately the ball slipped, and then from there we couldn't uh, regroup. I mean I don't know. I'm not in Marcus's head. Um, obviously, as a team, the oldest one, and uh, I think we're all motivated. You know what I'm saying? So that's it. Maybe Reggie got a hand on it. Maybe somebody around him got a hand on it, but. We just wanted to do a little misdirection for Evan to drive and let him create in space. And I thought, you know, if he gets that shot off, that's his shot. So um, I felt good about it, to be honest. I mean, it didn't didn't end well because he got knocked out of his hand, but um, or maybe it even slipped out of his hand. I haven't seen the replay, but uh, I thought he had separation and I thought he was going to get a good look. Celtics fall in overtime, 105 to 97 to the Detroit Pistons. We're going to break down that fourth quarter in overtime here. On the Garden Report, brought to you by Lynda.com and Peak Organic Brewing on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Garden Report. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Jimmy Toscano. We're both going a little cash today. Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. It was fun day. We had a lot of fun tonight. And the yeah, Celtics... They didn't have that much fun. They didn't, well, they didn't have much fun no. at the end there. They ended up losing in overtime, despite what looked like a clear win for them, going into pretty much a midway through the fourth quarter. They they were successful with their hack a drum and sweat or hack a dre strategy, yes. and then everything kind of fell apart for them in the fourth quarter. We're going to take a look at what Detroit did here. We're going to talk about some of the homecomings here. You had Tayshawn Prince facing his former team, Jonas Jarebko facing his former team, Gigi Jatome getting to watch his former team from the bench, which I guess is what he was kind of used to with he his got, former team. He got team. some early burn, but he didn't see much court. Time which was I was kind of shocked about. Why didn't Gigi get more minutes in this game? It seemed like he was a good fit for this game. Jay Crowder played 44 minutes. A lot of those yeah. probably would have gone to Gigi. I just think Crowder, had, Crowder was having a great game. He I thought was, I mean, yeah. he was their energy for a lot of a lot of moments where they looked to be lacking the energy. I'm especially talking about late in the fourth quarter, that one play that when he had the and one, um, they were hanging, over Andre Drummond, right? Like, way were, over Andre yeah, Drummond. They were hanging by a thread at that moment. I mean, everything was unraveling, um, and he went and he did that. And I thought I just thought all game he was giving them. And in the second quarter is when he did a lot of his damage on the points. I think he had 12 points in the second quarter. Mm -hmm. But it was late in that fourth quarter where he came alive again, and I, I think he, they needed, uh, they needed him in there over, over a guy like Gigi. Um, but I was surprised that Gigi didn't get a little bit more playing time later on in the game after seeing him so early on. But I just think, and I asked Stevens about this, I just think the, the Pistons, they kind of make you play a, an unconventional way sometimes based on the players that they have out there. 
especially with Drummond, who's just such a force down low. They were playing lineups that we don't see that often. You didn't see Pressy in, that, in there that, that much. You, you saw, obviously, with Marcus Smart out of the game and Isaiah Thomas, you saw a lot of Evan Turner at the point guard position. Well, let's save that talk for the second half okay. because we do want to get into that. But first off, let's talk about where things kind of made their turn. So Stevens finish off, finishes off the third quarter going through for that hack a Dre strategy. And Dre, uh, that was Drummond, a great strategy. It worked. He went two for 11 from the line. Oh, for he, seven to start. I know. And Awful. then he then he hit two in a row, and yeah. then he missed two again. <laughs> yeah. It was funny how that worked out. I mean, his, his free throw shooting is horrendous. He's shooting 39% coming into this game. I bet he's down to 38% by now. It's like, I feel like for him, it's like the equivalent of us trying to shoot like a tennis ball, yeah. you know, which is hard to do. Just something Shaq talked a lot about yeah. while he was playing. That and you said, see Drummond's like he arm, he doesn't know where to put his arm. Yeah. I mean, his arms are so freaking long. It's like, how do you even set up a kind of a Free throws are all about shot? rhythm, you know? Yeah. Like, if you don't have it, especially to start off, you're, you're not going to get it. Well, the thing is, with big guys with really long wingspans, most of them kind of learn how to shoot from, like, behind their head almost. KG does that. Carlos Boozer does it in kind of a weird way, but it mm-hmm. works for him because uh, it, it makes it so that their elbows aren't dipped too low and they have more control on their follow-through. So it would be interesting to see if those guys ever learn He's how to shoot He's going to talk to a guy. Yeah. Drummond's going to talk to a guy. And get I mean, Andre, if you want to talk, buddy, we talked before the game and not about his shooting, more about his defense. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go, Dre, whenever you want. Um, but so <laughs> – he goes out of the game with a bit of a rolled ankle, it looked like, mm-hmm. and Jody Meeks and Reggie Jackson, KCP, they just go nuts. They're pounding it up and down the floor. They're hitting their outside shots. Transition. Uh, the, yeah, transition. And the one play that really stuck out to me was Jody Meeks got the ball, went coast-to-coast coast with it. He was holding off a defender, I think it was Avery Bradley, just like kind of like stiff-arming mm-hmm. him the entire way down the court, dribbling with one hand, which is, of course, how you're supposed to dribble the ball. Yep. Um, and, and he had a really tough finish at the rim, scored. I thought that was the big momentum swing for Detroit. And the Celtics couldn't go to hacking Drummond and try to stem that tide like they did in the third quarter. No, and their bench, you're talking about in the fourth, right? In the yeah, fourth, and, sure. Yeah, their bench in the fourth was huge. I think they scored 16 out of their 25. Yeah. So, and the Celtics didn't have a guy like that in the fourth quarter that they could rely on. I know Crowder was three for three. We talked about him earlier. Other than that, though, there wasn't anyone. Nobody was hot. Nobody came on. Like, you needed a, you needed Turner at some points in that fourth quarter, and he didn't show up. There was nobody on the bench that really had it tonight. Olenek was cold all the, all game. Um, and they, they, they looked bad in the fourth quarter. They looked bad down the stretch on offense and on defense. And one play that sticks out is Olenek again. After Bass misses the jumper that would have put them up four, Detroit comes down in transition, and there's Tayshaun Prince wide open in the corner. Olenek, I think he's asleep. I think he's asleep or something. I don't know where he was, but that puts that puts Detroit up one. Then you go back to the Crowder play, and then they answered it. They answered again to tie it up. But I just thought it was sloppy. A lot of sloppy down the stretch. No uh, execution on either end. And we do have to talk about Olenek in a few minutes because what the hell's going on with him? Mm-hmm. But that shot was great, the Tayshon hit in the corner there. Yeah. It was the same shot that he was hitting for the Celtics in his brief month that he was here. And you saw him kind of going back and forth to somebody in the crowd after he hit that shot. Mm-hmm. He actually said after the game that that was actually someone that was cheering for him, and he was oh, like really? basically thanking them for cheering for him. And he, he talked about, we'll talk about a little bit in part two, about how warm of a reception he got here. He was really happy about that. Yeah, good for him. But this was a bad loss for the Celtics. Really you know bad. what I mean? This was a bad loss. This is a game that they needed. Obviously, you want to have Smart out there. He let the team down by, you know, by not being on, you know, on the court for the game that they really needed to win. And I'm sure some of those guys feel that way, whether they say it or not. I really feel like, especially when you have Isaiah Thomas already out, this is a game where Marcus Smart is why they drafted the guy. So, you know, he could be to in shut down game. Reggie yeah. Jackson, yeah, hit to, some threes to late get in the game. Tons of minutes in a game yeah. like this where they need him. And this is a game where you want to see what he can do and what he can do for you. And 
he's not even you know he's not even on the bench because he's suspended so that that really hurts and I'm interested to see how he comes out and plays tomorrow night um, you know coming back from that suspension and he's going up against Brooklyn that has had a lot of point guard uh, turmoil there too mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how that goes now quickly before we wrap this one up the Celtics lost the fourth quarter in overtime I think it was 42 to 29 or sorry 28. That's a huge deficit. Ugly overtime. They, overtime, I mean, they had nine points in overtime. Overtime seemed like it was 10 minutes long because they were getting blown out completely to start overtime. The game was pretty much over two minutes into overtime. Seven points right off the bat yeah. in overtime. I mean, how incredible. do you do that? I mean, you just... Well, KCP is flat. how you do that. They came out, they let, I think they let a little, they were, I think they were bummed out about, the, you know, Evan Turner, the ball slipped. Are we talking about that in the second episode video? Or we oh, we're going to end now? this one with it. Okay, because yeah. let's talk about that play. Yeah. I thought that was a great play that yeah. Stevens drew up. It was just unfortunate that it slipped out of Turner's hands. I thought he had a good look at the basket. He was close range. It's a shot that he said after the game that he's take, taken thousands of times. And I had no problem with the play, and I watched it over again, and I think it was exactly how they drew it up. It just slipped out of his hands. What I don't like is to see them kind of just like – slouched their way back to the bench after that and they came out kind of flat in overtime and Detroit hit those seven straight points and that was that that was the game I mean when you're when you're in a five minute overtime to get up 17 points is craziness it's mind-blowing and you know the thing is with that last play there Steven said that they set up a misdirection mm. so Turner could come around the screen and try to go for a kind of a runner down the lane it looked like I would have wanted to see Turner actually take a step back from the elbow there from 15 feet out that was the shot he took a couple possessions before that and it rattled out if he had hit that shot they might have actually won the game if he had hit that shot initially but right. that's a shot it's in his arsenal I mean he's he's not a consistent shooter from anywhere on the court but that's one of his go-to shots Definitely. I would have rather seen him take that shot because it keeps him away from Drummond and it gives him more space and more control over the timing of the defender's block. But again, so. Drummond wasn't even, Drummond was no pro problem with yeah. the final play. It was just, I mean, um, Olenek created the pick. Olenek tried to create a pick with Prince and who was guarding um, Turner? Um, Is that KCP? No. I can't remember. Point guard. Oh, Jackson. Ja Jackson, yeah, excuse me. You. Sorry. Jackson was right on, was right on him. I mean, it, yeah. it was a good defense, but that being said, Turner had the shot. He had the look. He just, like he admitted after the game, it just slipped out of his hand. Um, Jackson didn't get a hand on it or anything like that. All right, let's get out of here before this slips out of our hands. So we're going to come back for part two. Remember to like us on Facebook. Follow at The Garden Report on Twitter. That's run by our boss, Nick Gelso. So you can uh, get all the promotional stuff and all that there. Uh, listen to this week's edition of Celtics Beat with Jackie McMullen talking about nice. a uh, surprise or kind of a stealth dark horse candidate for the Max uh, this offseason for the Celtics. And then, of course, stay tuned for part two. Like I just told him, I don't think that has anything to do with the winning and losing of that game. We're in, we're in, we were in position to win the game. There's a lot of guys out. Where well, Isaiah's been out, where Marcus has been out. We're still in position to win the game. That has nothing to do with us winning and losing the game. In your opinion, what was the reason that you guys lost the game? Uh, like a, we had a little, little, little lull offensively late, and um, little, we had like a few careless mistakes late. But we still were in position to win the game. And we had the ball at the end of the fourth. Uh, this thing shot up and we went to overtime and lost the game. You know, obviously, you know, seeing guys before the game and everything and stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, throughout my short stint here, man, it was only a month, but I had never been treated like that in a, in a short period of time. I haven't throughout my whole career. You know, obviously, it takes time to build friendships over a period of time, but, man, something that I had here for one month was a blessing. I mean, you know, from the coaching staff to uh, the trainers, you know, to, you know, everybody, man, they were, they, were, they were top notch, man, and they made me feel like home in that short stint. Obviously, they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. 
but uh, man, they treated me like first class. No, they wasn't talking to me. Actually, they was pulling for me, to be honest oh, with really? you. I mean, of course, I don't think they were expecting for us to win, but, uh, you know, throughout the crowd tonight, they were really appreciative of what I had done here for the month I was here and saying some good things and stuff like that. So, actually, right before I shot that shot, somebody in the, in the, in the, fan, in the stand said, oh, that's good. So, I looked at him, but it, it wasn't no bad talking or nothing okay. like that. No, not at all. No. We're back for part two, and we're going to talk about some coaching decisions here. Okay. Brad Stevens did a lot of interesting things here. We finished off part one talking about that last play of mm -hmm. uh, regulation. Now, let's talk about the big lineups that he went with earlier in this game. There was a point in this game in which it was Turner, Crowder, Wallace, Jurebko, and Zeller. Yes. So it's pretty much all six, eight guys in the right. seven-footer. It's a massive lineup, and that is when the Celtics' defense completely shut down the Pistons. The Pistons, that was the second quarter. They only scored 15 points. It was the only basically bad offensive quarter for them all game. Why did Stevens go away from that? That's and, a good question. Yeah. Why didn't they keep going with that? I don't know. I I don't know, but it to see Gerald Wallace in there, you know, that when, when you see a lineup Over Gigi. With, yeah, when you, see a lineup with G, when you see a lineup with G-dubs in there... You know that Stevens is really reaching into his bag of tricks, you know, and he's going deep into his into his mind, his, into his schemes of, of the rotations to, to do that. So that was interesting. To answer your question, why did they get away from that? I don't know if it was an offense. They couldn't do what they wanted to do on offense with that happening. No question about that with that right. lineup. Yeah. Right. So I think that may have something to do with it down the stretch. They were, he was trying to get some offense going, although he did put Wallace in there uh, late in the fourth. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in general – it's a good question. I don't know why you got, why you got away from that lineup. All right, coaching decision two. The why, why do you think so? I mean, for me, it was mostly offensive. Is that right. that lasted for so long? But they, there's no offense whatsoever coming right. out of that lineup. Evan Turner, Turner didn't have a shot. Yeah, tonight. Evan Turner needs more speed around him to be able to be effective mm. as a ball handler. Needs better shooting around him. Wallace, non-shooter. Jay Crowder, a consistent shooter. We and then Jarebko was hitting the shot, and Zeller was no, solid, was but nothing anything. special. Got it, Kelly. Okay, let's talk about that. Well, Kelly, real quick, we usually okay. go small. I mean, small is what they. That's what they do, Vaughn. It's hard to go small against this team, right, no, you, even without Greg Monroe, right. which was, by the way, how do they not win this game with Greg Monroe, who's been their best player like said, all year? It was a missed, missed opportunity. Go figure. It really, it really was. Talk about a trap game. I don't know if they look at it as a trap game, but this I is the kind of this, this has a feel of a trap game, which Philly was supposed to be last week, where it's a team you're expecting to win. Coming in without their best player, you can debate whether or not Monroe's the best player. I think he's been pretty clearly the One best of, player. Yeah. And they are and they just are a no show in the last twenty minutes of the game. I mean, Pistons are coming off a game last night, a great win for them yeah. in Chicago. So they were coming in a little bit tired. And the Celtics there's really no excuse for them to lose to lose this game. And the Celtics so. and Jay Crowder was asked, Well, were you guys worn out? I'm not sure who asked it, but um, I mean, they didn't, and he said we didn't play yesterday. Like we right. we were well rested for this yeah. game. We were ready to go. They were the ones flying overnight from Chicago. Uh, so before we get to Kelly Olynyk, I guess okay. the hack of Dre strategy. It's not the first time we've seen them go hack. They did it. I guess think against DeAndre Jordan earlier this oh, year. Oh, they've done it. They've, they've done it a they bunch of times. They did it against times. Alfred Payton. That's right, and <laughs> th that was the one I'm starting to think of. And Alfred Payton, who had two triple doubles pretty much yeah. right after that game, that certainly motivated him. I can't wait to see what Andre Drummond does. He's gonna have like a quadruple double in their next game. Twenty blocks. Yeah, but <laughs> that'd be pretty impressive. Uh, but that worked against Drummond. Drummond had yeah. 16 points after that. He only scored two more points the rest of the game. Never even got his 2020 game. But 
that was that was really just putting the, that was stemming the tide of the Pistons' offense. The mm. Pistons were trying to outrun the Celtics the entire game, and it was working, or at least the entire second half. It was working when they did that. That really kind of held things together for the Celtics. But once Drummond went off the floor, they stopped employing the strategy. That's when things right. really started to fall apart. No, I agree. And and when he's on the, like, you got to make a guy like that work for everything that he's getting down low, especially when you know how awful of a free throw shooter he is. He's realistically he's the worst free throw shooter in the NBA, one of. Yeah, he's shooting less than 40%. Yeah. There's, he's definitely so, the worst. So, I mean, it's, 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 we talk about coaching decisions. That, to me, is an easy coaching decision. I mean, that's, that's just numbers. That's, that's first grade math right there. If you see a 30% success rate, you attack that any way you can. Um, but, yeah, like you said, one, the Pistons, good first damn Van Gundy. He sees the problem and he addresses it because that's what good coaches do, and he's another good coach. So with him off the floor, like you said, that's when the Pistons started to really pick up the pace and they started to put points up. And when you're when you're hacking when you're hacking a guy, you're stopping the flow of the game, you're slowing things down, you're you're getting them out of rhythm. But once he's off the court, you can't do that. For one, he must have been a really good basketball coach when you were in first grade. That would oh, I would, yeah, I crushed it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Kelly Olynyk. It, it, he's a lost man out there. Ah, it's he's, tough to watch sometimes. He, we're, we're seeing shades of Scalabrini. I know you and I both love Scal, but well, as an offensive player, he was kind of maddening to watch for the second half of his career. He would basically get the ball in the triple threat and then just keep kind of hesitating, not knowing what to do, looking around, panicking. And we're seeing Olenek is really doing that right now. He's shooting like garbage ever since he came back. He's been about 11 games or so since he returned. Streaky. And he's only had two really good shooting games. That OKC game, he was lights out in that mm -hmm. game. He had 20 points in only 23 minutes. But besides that, in the, that Memphis game here in the Garden, He's been like one for six, three for nine. Yeah. Tonight he went one for nine. It was his worst performance pretty much yet. And it was in a game in which he was going to match up against Greg Monroe, and he didn't have to do that because Monroe was out. So tonight should have been a night where he really dominated shooting the ball. I think there might be like sign of some kind of like identity crisis that he's going through right now. Like, what is he? What type of a player is he? Is he an inside? Is he going to be a guy who's going to play inside? Is he going to be a guy who's going to play outside? I mean, he's a stretch four. He's, you should yeah, be able right. to embrace that. Right, but. I think he struggles with taking the outside shot or driving to the hoop, and that's why he's always, he's like the pump fake king. Like, he'll pump fake every outside shot, and then he'll dribble drive, and then he'll pass. Like, it's really, it, like you said, it, sometimes it is maddening watch. You just kind of want him to get way more aggressive on offense and sort of take initiative. I don't know what gets him going, like, on offense. I don't know if there's, like, I don't think I've really ever seen him, and that just might be who he is. He's not a guy who really gets fired up out there. Like, for example, Jay Crowder, he, he can get fired up pretty easily. Jeez. Or even like, you know, uh, A.B. Bradley, you see him get fired up out there sometimes. But I really don't see it with Olenek, even if he is having a good offensive game. I don't, so I don't know if that's something that that's just who he is or what. But I, I think he's thinking a lot out there. And he just needs to, sometimes you, you just play your best when you just simplify things and you just play. Well, Kelly's the kind of guy where he's not really good at anything. He's just decent in a lot of different areas because well, of his he's size. He's still young, though. I, th I think. Oh, he's, he's got plenty of time to be good. I mean, he's got yeah. a lot of potential. But right now, he's a guy that's just decent in a lot of areas, and because of his size and because of the fact that he's mm -hmm. usually at the four or the five, that creates major matchup problems, and that's where his effectiveness comes into play. But if teams don't have to worry, if teams are begging him to shoot the ball, then they lose that matchup problem, and he becomes an actual liability. And that's what we saw tonight. Yeah, and I honestly, I think shooting aside, he didn't have an awful. Game, I think he was still a, pl a plus on the pl on the uh, plus negative, which Should I know. Should tell a you how invaluable yeah, that it's a is? Flawed, yeah, flawed stat. The thing that we yeah. talked about this in the last video. The thing that stood out to me wasn't how bad he was, wasn't how bad he shot. It was 
the end of the fourth quarter transition defense where he let Tayshaun Prince take that wide open three. I mean, it's so clear. Yeah. It was almost like he didn't even think that he was – you didn't even see him the whole time. You have to have your eyes peeled. You have to know where everybody is on the court. And when the team's down two points, they're looking to take the lead. Like, they're looking for a three. And you've got a great three-point shooter from the corner sitting there wide open. You have to know. And I'm pretty sure Brad Stevens was ticked off at that as well. I, I, I think I saw somebody tweeted that he yelled at Olenek pretty hard after that play. So. Oh, wow, Brad Stevens showing emotion. Yelling at his players. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, by and the way, it took Stevens a while. Yeah, and it took Stevens a while to come out of the locker room tonight. I could imagine there was a lot of uh, yeah, gosh darn it's after the game. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of nincompoops being thrown around. <laughs> uh, so let's re- let's get out of here. Boxing ball rapid fire for me. My baller is we talked about him. I talked about oh Jay Crowder. <laughs> Even though they lost, I thought Crowder. He came in for the he started tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I didn't start a point guard, but he came in in place of Smart, who was suspended. And I thought I mean he came 45 minutes. I mean that's a, that's a lot for a guy who you know doesn't start. And I thought thought he gave him the energy. He he had a you know he had 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Sorry, seven, no three assists, seven rebounds. He had a good game. First he, grade, he's my yeah. baller. Yeah, <laughs> first right. grade man. And then boxing out. Boxing out his Drummond stat line. I mean, 22 rebounds, 18 points, but two of 11 from the free throw line. Most importantly, uh, for me, baller of the night is KCP. I've been a big fan of his ever since he came in here, dropped like five threes a few years ago, and he has just been killing it ever since. Every time he comes into Boston, so we'll wrap it up there. And oh, of course, stat line Reggie Jackson. His stat line was phenomenal. Almost triple. He was just one rebound shy of a triple double. So that's going to do it for us here. We'll be back uh, soon. Wednesday. I can't remember Wednesday. That's right. For Miami. Miami. Of course, which will be a very vital game. So we will definitely see you then. Uh, Linda.com, Peak Organic Brewing, our sponsors. We love them, and you should too. So Google them. Look them up. They have some great stuff. Uh, like us on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Yeah, it's the toughest one, I think. <laughs> I wanted to win tonight, and, you know, um, but... You know, that's the good thing with the NBA. We're jumping on a flight and we're playing tomorrow night. So uh, just got to keep our heads up and, uh, and play good tomorrow. Is it the toughest one because it came against your old team? Uh, both. You know, uh, after losing two in a row on a road trip, you want to come home and show the fans that we're, we're ready for this push. So uh, it's a tough loss. But, uh, you know, like I said, there's a new game tomorrow, and that's the good thing with the NBA. <laughs>